0: and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50. That's B L E A V 50 to receive your bonus. Again, that's believe 50. From basketball, football, and baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, folks, uh, today is Monday. October 25th. And uh, so glad that uh, you are with us. I am your host, Jeremy Evans of the Believe in Sports Law podcast. As always, thank you for making us the number one sports law podcast in the world and appreciate you listening in. We have a very uh, interesting and uh, great show today. We're going to be talking about the rise of minor league baseball. Now, those words alone sort of saying that, you know, maybe in the last 5, 10, 20 years uh, probably wouldn't have meant much other than maybe somebody getting too excited about uh, the future prospect of minor league baseball. And I think partly that was because, you know, most of the minor league teams were based in smaller cities and they had these player development contracts or PDCs that they were signing with major league clubs. And although players uh, were sort of developing through those leagues uh, those sort of minor league systems and you know that uh, the aspect of that I think the the problem sort of comes to this idea that um, you know ultimately minor league teams were not necessarily owned by major league baseball franchises they were privately owned or separately owned and even though development came through them, you know ultimately the, the 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 point of a development system is that somebody eventually graduates, right? You move on to uh, the professional leagues. But I think there's been uh, a ton of movement in minor league baseball that I think, upon first blush, when you're looking at the contraction of minor league baseball, for example, going from I think 160 minor league baseball teams to 120, you might look at that at first and go, oh well. Uh, That's not great, you know, in in terms of we're losing, um, you know, significant portion of the teams. But I think as we dig a little bit deeper, I I think that uh, the changing infrastructure of minor league baseball is why we have uh, investors now circling and looking at ways to invest in minor league baseball. And we'll get into sort of uh, why I think that is and sort of where we are and where this might be going. So I think that as we sort of look at, we've talked about a little bit about the history of minor league baseball and, and I'll sort of add that minor league baseball is not in the sort of, uh, does not have the issues of let's say the NFL or the NBA and that um, with the NHL, with major league baseball and with major league soccer, you have a choice as a uh, high school student to either go pro and go to the minor leagues, go to the development system or uh, go to college. Whereas with the NFL and the NBA, they have the one and done rule and junior role. So meaning you have to go to college for at least one year in NCAA to be uh, eligible for the draft. And then of course, in the NFL, you have to be a junior to be able to do it. So uh, baseball, hockey, and soccer do not have these sort of NIL issues when it comes to um, you know, players wanting to uh, capitalize on their name, image, and likeness. But that being said, baseball, I think, is indeed going to profit from this, uh, maybe not directly, but indirectly, and we'll get into sort of why that is. So looking at some of the changes, number one, uh, minor league baseball uh, contracted from 160 to 120 teams. This happened, I think, in 2020 Um, and uh, some people say that it was because of the pandemic. I think this is uh, a much larger issue that major league baseball was dealing with and looking for ways to solve some of the problems of development of too many teams of being too spread out of being um, sort of looking at ways to how can they can make a franchise more investable if you can uh, to make a verb out of it. It's, it's looking um, looking at a way to uh, make minor league baseball a, a place where a team can not only have its major league franchise, but also have its affiliates and have all the branding that goes with that and the trademarks and everything else. So I think contraction allowed for that. Uh, I think the second thing is is this idea of name image and likeness. And where does this tie in? Well, we've talked before on this show, and I've written about this in several columns about sort of baseball's new frontier and all the things that are happening. And what we mean by that is that, you know, with NIL now being available for college and with the combined issue or sort of uh, fact of, you know, that baseball, minor league baseball contracted from 160 to 120 teams, you got to figure that you're going to at least going to have 25 guys on a roster in minor league baseball um, uh, at least. Right. And then you're going to have other people that are being developed. And I think in, in that sort of situation, you're going to have multiple, um, you know, minor league affiliates, right? Single A, double A, triple A, low A, you know, high A, um, uh, you know, the Arizona Fall League and you know, the Dominican League, you know, all these different things, right? Well, if you have all of that and um, you contract and you say, hey, there's, you know, 40 less teams now. Well, with name, image, and likeness being available in college, of course, where do those players go? well, they're probably going to go to college as opposed to going to the minor leagues because there's less opportunity. Now, that being said, will some of those 40 teams become you know, independent league teams and independent league sort of conferences, if you will? Sure, that could happen. But I think ultimately with college baseball players being able to profit off their name, image, and likeness, name, image, and likeness, I think provides for more opportunities, especially where there's less opportunities in minor league baseball in terms of the contractions. That's something to keep our eyes on. I think uh, Major League Baseball has continued to use the Atlantic League and other uh, minor league affiliates to uh, sort of um, test minor league rule changes or uh, Major League Baseball rule changes, but they do it at the minor league level to see how it works out. What do I mean by that? Well, the seven-inning doubleheader rule, where if you're playing a doubleheader during the regular season and uh, you only play seven innings, uh, this whole idea of a pitch clock, um, you know, making sure you pit, to throw the pitch, you know, each individual pitch to a batter within a certain amount of seconds. Um, and then of course, in between batters, it's like, I think it's, uh, there's a limit there too. And then of course there's that clock in between, um, innings as well. So trying to speed up the game. Right. And of course, this other rule of having a runner start at second base, uh, in the extra innings for the, um, for the team that's batting. So. Again, these are all things that I think, you know, Major League Baseball has continued to invest in infrastructure and um, sort of creating a better environment for Minor League Baseball. And then, of course, the last piece is that in a really sort of a monumental move, Major League Baseball has decided to pay for Minor League Baseball player um, housing uh, beginning in 2022. And if anybody has ever sort of lived in um, Minor League Baseball housing or an independent ball housing there is times maybe you will specifically an in independent ball where you're living in um, sort of team family housing. You're living in like a collective environment. Um, you know, you're probably not going to have too much privacy uh, and that sort of thing. Right. So minor league, minor league baseball playing, paying for this through major league baseball, uh, I think is just going to be huge uh, and it's going to provide a better environment for these players. I think those four things have really made minor league baseball a more investable product where you can look at this and you can say, okay, like we have um, this, you know, better infrastructure. We have um, the top athletes coming in now because having less teams generally means you're going to have less athletes and the best athletes will go and get drafted and the others will find a different place. Obviously there's going to be misses in the draft. And sometimes you're going to have guys that don't get drafted that um, end up being great players. Uh, But but again, I, I think the idea is that as you contract, you, you focus more. It also means that the guys who are going to minor league baseball probably have a better shot now. Uh, maybe those percentages go up. So again, I think arguably the investment in the infrastructure of minor league baseball is why Endeavor and Silver Lake partners, which have teamed up on some sports investments before, are looking at buying potentially up to 40 minor league baseball franchises. This was a big story that was reported uh, by front office sports, I think it was last week. Um, it also could be that this is sort of the reasoning for minor league baseball franchises to become um, major league baseball franchises, which uh, which does happen from time to time. Particularly if you're looking at, let's say, like the Nashville Stars. Right, this is a Triple A team in uh, Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee, and specifically Nashville, is looking at adding a major league baseball team. Does it use one of those minor league teams? Um, to kind of develop that. Right. We'll see. Um, That would be the ideal case, but, you know, you just never know with ownership and everything else uh, and who gets what, but, um, you know, sort of, I think, again, some of these minor league baseball cities have the potential to become major league baseball cities, uh, particularly in places like Portland, in places like Nashville. Uh, And if you're talking about international development, Mexico city obviously has um, some sort of triple a and um, sort of their professional league equivalent. So something to keep in mind now will minor league baseball games and franchises ever match um, the sort of cost uh, of a major league baseball game. Will it ever match the broadcast dollars that major league baseball teams get probably not, but I think a more collective approach, I think having uh, team ownership involved directly uh, in the sort of purchase and sort of ownership of a minor league baseball team and an entire system is probably going to increase the price. And I think the premier league is a good example of this because you look at international soccer, the development of players, uh, there's a brand consistency throughout the franchise. And I think that's important. And if you look at like, you know, hockey does a really good job of this, you know, let's say for the LA Kings, you know, and you've got the sort of the triple A, double A and single A teams, Uh, They all have consistency in branding and color uh, and in names, right? I think that like the Ontario reign uh, makes sense because it complies with, let's say um, the Los Angeles Kings, right? This idea of Kings and reigning and that sort of thing. Uh, The um, San Diego goals is a triple A team for uh, the Anaheim ducks, you know, goals, ducks, the whole kind of sea um, and sort of, um, you know, bird aspect. Right. So again, you know, something to keep in mind. Um, I think that uh, it is interesting, but there was uh, this sort of idea of um, American owners in the premier league that were looking to uh, push for a super league. And um, what is interesting about that is that that super league would have potentially gotten rid of this whole relegation system. And of course, that was shot down. At least the Super League was. I think people enjoy the regulation system, the relegation system over there, because it keeps teams honest. Maybe um, whether that whether that works or not, I don't know. I don't know the stats on that. But I think ultimately, Major League Baseball has tried to introduce rules where you know you have a situation where you can't tank and anti-tanking rules, and you know, um, making sure you spend enough money on a team. You know, having like minimums at, at, in addition to maximums. You know tax penalties, that sort of thing. But so again, I think it's going to be very interesting as to what Major League Baseball and what Minor League Baseball do in terms of development, in terms of the Premier League as a model, and what that looks like. You know, would uh, regular relegation ever make its way into Major League Baseball? Highly unlikely with the amount of investment dollars that come in. But you know, who knows? That might be interesting. I think in another sort of interesting twist, um, you know, major league baseball teams might be able to learn something uh, and vice versa from the other regarding marketing tactics and campaigns. You know, minor league teams are often known for their like very funny advertisements. Right. And and I think that this might be a way to, um, as Bryce Harper would say, let's make let's make uh, major league baseball fun again or let's make baseball fun again. Uh, there's this new thing that's come about called the mill M I L B Y to sort of this, uh, minor league baseball's play, um, on the SBs. Uh, this is something that sort of as an award show, um, and sort of highlights the most fun and most accomplished players and brands. Um, I think that's going to indeed bring some more exposure. I think minor league baseball could also look into the expansion, uh, with minor league affiliates throughout the world. um, you know, I mean, it, we sort of think about the, ma- the amount of baseball that's played in Mexico and Canada, the Caribbean, Venezuela, Brazil, Japan, and Korea, and other countries You even have China and Cuba. Obviously, you got some political concerns and turmoil there. Uh, but that being said, there is room for international expansion. And if you're a major league baseball team and in your sort of portfolio, you have the big league club, but then you've got five or six other affiliates, maybe seven affiliates around the world around the country, that's a pretty valuable brand, right? Um, In addition to what you already have. So I think that's going to, that's going to come into play. And I think some of these American owners are learning from their international counterparts in terms of how the premier league has been developed. So uh, we'll continue to see how um, that plays out, you know, and I think also too, you know, from an international sort of development standpoint, wouldn't it make more sense if, the players that um, that these teams were drafting drafted them younger and got them into the minor league system at an earlier age. I think that earlier exposure will help them sort of learn American culture, the idea of sort of assimilating, uh, learning the English language. Um, you know, these are often things that are um, you know harder as you get older, but also uh, tend to be um, you know difficult, especially in the baseball setting where you might be a loss you know, sort of lost in translation of, you know, what have you. So again, something to think about. Uh, So this new sort of system where they've contracted the teams is also sort of, they've offered these affiliated partnerships, uh, which is sort of just a strengthened PDC or professional development contract. Uh, There's going to be definitely some ownership options. I think the centralization of major league baseball um, means that team owners will have more say and control over their franchises, brands, and development. I think if Endeavor and Silver Lake do get into purchasing some of these teams, as we've talked about previously, um, that may present a problem for Major League Baseball teams. Because even though that investment is great, uh, do you want a very powerful investor to be invested in an affiliated club? Does that mean the prices get driven up? You know what I mean? So I, I think that, uh, Major league baseball teams and owners need to be very wise about investing in their teams and making sure they have uh, their proverbial ducks in a row uh, in terms of lining up franchises and making sure that they have a a clean development system and not one that's changing every few years because these professional development, de- development contracts generally last three years. So again, in investing in, in the minor league baseball system, investing in the teams from the team ownership standpoint, it's only an investment in their brand and in their values um, uh, will go up down the road. So again, imagine a major league baseball club selling its trademarks, its venue, but also uh, its minor league affiliates and its trademarks and those venues across the country. Then all of a sudden you're opening yourself to a new market for your brand in another place where it's like, you know, that, you know, for example, the Dodgers are going to play in, you know, um, let's say Oklahoma city or let's say in Tulsa or let's say in Chattanooga or in um, Rancho Cucamonga, right. These are all different things that happen. So you know that those teams will be in those places and create some new values and um, some new loyalties in different places across the country where you might be limited normally in a big city, because, you know, let's say, you know, Dodgers promoting in San Francisco. Well, there's a lot of other issues with that, um, you know, in terms of what the fan base wants, but it's also this thing of, um, each of these individual teams have, um, essentially reservations to, um, you know, uh, television contract and television dollars in their in- individual areas. Right. So again, with minor league baseball teams, there's, there's less of that limitation. So I think, you know, a franchise that's worth billions could be worth multiple billions if you add in all the affiliates, especially if they're international. Well, I think there's um, there really is already several minor league cities, uh, minor league um, teams in, in cities across the country that uh, are very popular. Uh, they have great brands, they have great stadiums, and they're very successful. I think a strengthened partnership uh, between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball will only increase that value. I think um, American sort of baseball is wise to do this as college increasingly becomes – an easier road to travel. If you're now able to go to college and you're able to have name, image and likeness uh, opportunities, uh, plus the amount of um, national media exposure you get in college versus playing for a minor league baseball team, uh, plus the uh, huge athletic department budgets that some of these uh, bigger schools have specifically in the power five conferences, you know, again, minor league baseball has to keep up and, you know, offering, you um, additional opportunities through, you know, paying for housing, um, to, uh, better transportation, uh, to consistency in terms of getting away from traditional player development or professional development contracts, PDCs, and getting into, uh, this idea of, um, you know, having an affiliated partner and having those be consistent, or even having, uh, this idea that, um, you know, teams, individual teams will own their entire minor league process and and it'll be consistent over the years. So, um, and I, by the, by the way, I said professional development, I meant to say player development contracts, PDCs, which makes sense because you're essentially, you have ownership groups that own the team separately from the major league baseball team, but they're really just using those facilities and the coaches there, uh, that they've hired. Uh, and the players that they're bringing up that they've drafted through that system. So it wouldn't just be better if they own the entire process and controlled it. Uh, that all to say that there is definitely a new age of minor league baseball, um, you know, upon us. I think, again, the investment in infrastructure is changing that, uh, contracting the teams, making a more direct approach, getting into more affiliated partnerships and ownership, uh, the idea that uh, paying for uh, housing I think major league baseball using minor league baseball to test out new rules. I think these are all different things that are going to continue to grow minor league baseball. So, um, and again, it, it has to compete now because ultimately, uh, there's a situation where, you know, minor league baseball could stand to lose as well. Um, you know, in terms of, uh, a lot of these college athletes looking towards, um, or potential, you know, high school graduates looking towards, um, you know, getting into uh, college versus the pros. So again, folks, really do appreciate listening in. Uh, I'm your host, Jeremy Evans. This is the Believe in Sports Law podcast. This week, we're talking about the rise of minor league baseball and the potential for growth and uh, opportunities in that space. Uh, And uh, this show has been brought to you by Bet Online. Again, appreciate listening in and making the Believe in Sports Law show Uh, with your host jeremy evans the number one sports law podcast in the world thank you so much